Asia Pacific Currents. News and labour issues from the Asia Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock on Community Radio 3CR. All views of the world should unite to fight this greedy capitalist. Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Link. Good morning, good morning listeners and uh, welcome to another program of Asia Pacific Currents and a bit of a sad note to start off but a bit of a tribute as well. The um, the song that you were hearing um, that uh, saw their breakfast left was uh, We Are Thule from uh, Dr. J. Yunupingu who... um, as most people would have would have heard, um, died um, very at forty six uh, this week. It's um, an incredible loss to um, indigenous um, music and indigenous culture. Um, and um, our thoughts go out to to his family, his community, and his friends. And um, a rest in peace, Dr. G. Unipingu. Your voice was certainly a um, a, a huge, um, a huge achievement, and um, you will be remembered. So um, we will keep uh, your memory and your song in our hearts. But you're listening to Three CR Radio Asia Pacific Currents, brought to you every week by Australia Asia Worker Links and Giselle. Those contacts, please. Oh, that's right. Did the listeners know that I was here this morning, Pierre? <laughs> Good morning, listeners. I'm Giselle Hanna. I'm also here on Asia Pacific Currents. If you do want to get in touch with Australia Asia Worker Links, you can find us on the web, all the w's.aawl.org.au. We're on Facebook and Twitter, so find us on those social media platforms, and you can also ring us on 9663-7277. And on uh, today's program, we'll have the usual roundup of news items and... Um, <coughs> Given that we did um, uh, begin with a, a very sad uh, news a news item about the death of Dr. G. Unipingu, um, Giselle, we do have a good news story to start off. We will have other sad stories, but our first story is a good news story. But before you launch into that, who do we have as an interview in the second half? Well, that's right. So for over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking to you about the launch of the International Committee for the Global Picket Line. Um, this is the culmination of a lot of work that AAWL has done over the last 10 years to build a framework for organising international industrial action and solidarity. So you will recall the um, global picket line we ran in the airlines industry where we linked a number of almost identical disputes in um, global carrier, sorry, not global, national carrier airlines and linked them in a single um, campaign and dispute. So this international committee is designed to, to look at how we can coordinate these more uh, comprehensively. So we'll be speaking with Manrico Moro, who is one of the campaign coordinators and the Global Picket Line campaign coordinator of Australia Asia Worker Links to talk about the developments in that area. But of course, it is time for news from around the region. And we are going to kick off in Kerala and that nurses dispute that you were talking about, Pierre. So tens of thousands of nurses at private hospitals across the southern Indian state of Kerala ended their two-month hunger strike. Oh, no, strike. Their two-month strike. Uh, There was a bit of a hunger strike in there, though. (laughs) After the government agreed to more than double their wages from 20,000 rupiah to um, 
to have I written that wrongly? I'm afraid that's my fault. Uh, they two twenty thousand uh, rupees. That's their new base salary. Right. So this is a great achievement, obviously, for the workers and the two main unions, the Indian Nurses Association and the United Nurses Association. They coordinated these industrial actions over two months. The workers' determination was fueled by years of low wages and increasing levels of poverty among nurses. I think the other important thing to remember... Um, so we've been talking to you about the other um, workers in in India, the um, the carers, the um, I can't remember what those um, uh, Awagardi. That's right. Um, and so the, these are also women workers in effectively the caring industry. So it's good to see that there's um, quite a bit of industrial action in that space. And we'll actually have another news item uh, from India very much uh, about women workers, but that's coming up. Um, the second item, unfortunately, we go nearby to Afghanistan, where a bomb that targeted buses carrying public servants on the way to work in Kabul, killing 35 and injuring many more highlights the vulnerability of workers to the ongoing effects of the war in Afghanistan. Indiscriminate bombings and military actions by insurgents, government and imperialist forces are continuing to devastate Afghanistan and kill thousands of workers and peasants. As with the wars in Syria, Iraq and Yemen, without an international class response against these conflicts, working class communities are the main victims of these ongoing military confrontations. And a further four workers were killed in a chemical attack last Thursday in the Bin Qasim area of Karachi, Pakistan. Four workers died after falling into an underground chemical tank of an industrial unit. A maintenance worker who was repairing the tank fell in and four others also became trapped as they tried to rescue him. Only one survived. Such deaths point to the almost complete lack of health and safety standards. These industrial deaths are unfortunately very similar to another tragedy last year at the Karongi factory where five workers were killed. Very sad stories um, that really, uh, especially when you consider three of them, um, we're trying to save their fellow worker. And one of the things that these stories can conceal when we tell them the way that we tell them is just the, the level of distress that those workers are experiencing to be willing to throw yourself into uh, a chemical pool in order to save your co-worker. The, the distress you must be feeling watching those people suffer that way. That's right. And, and also the fact that the, the solidarity that these workers have and probably knowing that if they don't look after themselves, certainly their employers won't. Uh, we now go back to India where a domestic worker incident has exposed widespread exploitation. In mid-July, Zora Bibi, a domestic worker, complained, complained to her employers about her unpaid wages. In response, the family held her captive within their gated community in Noida, New Delhi. When her husband went to find out uh, the next day what happened to her, he was barred from entering the complex. He then returned with other workers and Zohar was released. While this was only another example of the exploitation and violence that domestic workers endure in India, the case has now generated national coverage. The discussions that have emerged have cracked open the deep-seated class and caste discrimination that lies at the heart of Indian society. And I um, really encourage uh, listeners to go to our website uh, from tomorrow to look at some of the, of the links about this, uh, this case, a, a very interesting analysis. 
In Iran this week, more than a 1,000 teachers have issued a public statement calling for the unconditional and immediate release of Mohsen Omrani. Mohsen is serving a one-year sentence for propaganda against the state for organising teachers in the southern port city of Bashir. In a separate case involving another teacher, Esmail Abdi, um, he's facing the threat of being returned to prison after being released a few months ago on health grounds. In a follow-up from last week's story on the actions by the Haftape uh, sugarcane workers, it's been reported that authorities have now arrested 15 of them in an attempt to break the workers' determination. And unfortunately, I've got a, an update which I just saw uh, just before. It just came into my uh, email account that Ismail Abdi has now been arrested and he has gone back to jail and uh, they the, will certainly put updates on it, but he's facing at least another six years in jail. A, a, a horrible uh, story, that one, I'm afraid. Um, we now go to China, where um, a two-week strike by hundreds of workers at the Zama Manufacturing plant demanding health guarantees and compensation uh, early this month was broken up by riot police. The Zama precision industry in Shenzhen province in southern China is a subsidiary of the global giant still that had decided to relocate its factory. This had left uh, its 2,000 strong workforce fearing for their jobs and health as many of them were suffering long-term symptoms from working with dangerous chemicals but having no access to safety equipment, masks or gloves. Unfortunately, the situation for the Zama workers is not unique as health and safety is not a priority for many companies in China. And unfortunately, um, it's got uh, echoes of that story from uh, Pakistan. And we are coming up to another anniversary of the um, the bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. The 6th and 9th of August 1945 are the days when the US military dropped atomic bombs on the Japanese cities of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Around 130,000 people perished immediately, with another 90,000 dying by the end of the year due to radiation injuries. Injuries. It's mainly working class communities that perished in these two holocausts. The anniversaries are marked by anti war activists all around the world to protest a military industrial sector that still profits from the ravages of war. The other thing to say about the death toll is that um, for hundreds and thousands of people um, post the, uh, the immediacy of the bombing and certainly that 90,000 figure by the end of that year continue to suffer the ongoing ill health effects from the detonation of those atomic bombs. Um, the comrades in Japan obviously commemorate this occasion every year, but particularly in the context of the increased militarisation of um that region, uh, the, these um, commemorations are really important because I suspect we're going into war. Um, well, hopefully not. Let's be optimistic, Giselle. But um, can I say that, uh, well, some people are obviously in wars already. Um, that I did have the, the fortune of travelling to Japan. I think if anyone travels to Japan, highly recommend to go to Hiroshima. Um, I didn't quite get to Nas- Nagasaki. It's a bit further out, but I intend to in the future. It is uh, exceptionally moving, the Hiroshima Peace, Par- uh, Peace Park in Hiroshima and uh, should really be on the top priority for anyone going 
to um, to Japan. And on that point, there is going to be a memorial forum here in Melbourne on uh, Sunday, the sixth of August, which is um, put uh, in con- um, hosted in conjunction by the uh, Unitarian Church and the CICD. So that's Sunday at uh, the sixth of August, two thirty p.m. at the United- Unitarian Church, one hundred ten Gray Street, East Melbourne. And um, while we are on announcements, um, you don't have any more news stories? No, good. I'll just keep going then. Um, There is a Palestinian uh, rally uh, tomorrow at half past one at the State Library. So that's in support for the struggle of Palestinians, half past one tomorrow at the State Library. That's all we have uh, for news um, items this morning. We'll come back um, with the interview with uh, Manrico Mora about the the International Global Picket Line um, project straight after these announcements. We will not negotiate with minor state of title government or anyone on, on our culture, on, on our land. You know, if people say, oh, you're going to finish up with nothing, well then so be it. But at least our hearts will tell us that we did not sell out our country and our culture and heritage for a few scungy dollars. Subscribe to 3CR so that your dollars support Indigenous voices and the struggle for land justice. For Aboriginal people, the greatest grief of all is seeing the country destroyed. And somewhere along the line, we have to realise that we don't actually have the right to do that. That nothing we've ever done has given us the right to do that. Now, you know where I stand on this, because I'm so simple-minded. I think we've just got to admit that this is an Aboriginal country. Just do it. Want to support 3CR's diverse and independent voices? Well, it's not too late, and we still need your support. Donate now by calling 9419 8377 or donate online at www.3cr.org.au or post us a cheque or money order to Post Office Box 1277, Collingwood 3066. It's 15 minutes past nine o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. You're listening to Asia Pacific Currents. Of course, just following up on that announcement, it is not too late to donate to 3CR's Radiothon and it's certainly not too late to pay up if you've pledged some money but you still haven't sent it through to us. Coming up now, we'll be speaking with Manrico Morrow, one of the campaign coordinators in Australia Asia Workerlinks, to discuss the recent hosting of an international committee for global picket lines that AAWL hosted. Good morning. Welcome, Manrico. Uh, good morning, Giselle. I guess one of the first questions that we've got is, what is the global picket line? Can you explain it? Can you describe it? Uh, yes. In, uh, in basically, Global Picket Line is a concept, it's just a name, okay, of uh, a discussion about how to best organise international industrial action and solidarity. So what international solidarity for workers means is that when workers have a particular dispute in one country, in one city, in one company, um, obviously there's a small group of workers and sometimes they're fighting against a very, very big company. 
Now, um, those workers often need international solidarity. They can start from just being messages of support from other people, you know, unions in other countries and so on, who hear about the dispute and so on, all the way to, like, receiving assistance, receiving money. But the, the concept goes a bit further, which is that it is possible that workers in other cities and other countries can actually take action, solidarity action and industrial action, to support the first group of workers. That is the concept of Global Picket Line. So what is the, the purpose of an international committee then if it's as simple as providing solidarity? Oh, yes. Uh, it is simple as providing solidarity. However, not all solidarity has the same uh, effect. So if you have to think that um, industrial disputes can be very protracted, they can be very bitter, they have multiple issues running, like you know, it could be an EBA, it could be a illegal sackings, it could be a lot of trouble. So there, there are many, many local elements, and then other unions will come into solidarity based on discussions of those elements, how much they support it, how much is in their interest, how much they are connected to that particular union or that particular group of workers in that industry and so on. So unless, um, pre- prior to the concept of global picket line, we would have to send out effectively a call for solidarity that was just undifferentiated to everybody we knew in the world and say, please send solidarity messages. And in some cases where a dispute is protracted, please send money. Um, with Global Picket Line, we are trying to identify a group of, of workers who can give the strongest support. And the strongest support is an action, like a, a, a demonstration or actual industrial action, a stop work inside, preferably inside the same company, if it's a global company, but even in other related companies. Now, in order to achieve that, it is not so simple as just send out a message. In order to achieve that, you need discussions, you need mapping, you need an understanding of the company, you need an understanding of their supply lines, their structure, where they are making their profits. It takes discussion amongst comrades who are located in different countries and have a lot of experience of unionism and international organizing. That's why we set up a committee. And um, so in terms of, uh, you've, you mentioned international solidarity a lot, and the, and the concept of the global picket line sounds fantastic, but international solidarity as an idea, as a concept for workers, has been around a very long time. I think um, there was uh, a philosopher whose first name was Carl, said uh, workers of the world unite. So yeah. how I heard you... of Carl too, yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that's, that's good, that's good. I think a few other people might have heard of Carl as well. Um, In terms of the concept, so how is this concept uh, different or how does it build on the ongoing, the historical um, solidarity or international solidarity that people already do? Okay, so it is is definitely built on the previous uh, solidarity. So AWL learned everything from discussion with with partners and comrades, okay? So we, we didn't sort of uh, just sit in a room and, 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 and just discuss it out by ourselves until we came up with a concept. This the, it, um, Global picket line is different in, in two ways from um, the normal concept of solidarity. The first one is that it is built on an understanding of the complexity of the global economic system. Like since, uh, since Carl wrote his books, the international capitalism has developed tremendously so that the global companies are now huge, like they, they, they have huge control over the world. 
So it is, it is um, and they have a very deep understanding of the level of workers' organisation. So when a company, like a car company, decides to put a plant into a different city to, you know, to, to build something, a component of a car or a whole car, they're not just looking at which city is connected to the other, uh, to the other places because everywhere is connected. They're also looking for which city is going to give them the lowest paid workers, the lowest paid, the lowest cost infrastructure, the lowest price of electricity, the lowest taxes and things like that. So they are thinking very strategically about their production in order to maximize their profit. We have found through the discussions that the international labor movement, however, hasn't developed this way of thinking. So when there is a, when there is a dispute, even when it's a dispute inside a big global company, like, for example, the CUB dispute that was happening in, in Melbourne, in, in um, Abbotsford. There was, there was a company, which was a big company, a big Australian company, located in a gigantic international beer and alcohol company. Now, it, it, the workers, the, the union in that dispute started mapping out the company and finding out um, where all the other production centers were, how, much, how many of them were union, how many of them were not union, and so on, to try to develop a, a solidarity plan. So in that way, global picket line is different from the previous understanding of, uh, of international solidarity. I think the previous understanding of international solidarity was based on workers having a very deep political understanding that they were all one class, they were all united, and therefore they would try to connect together to, to have joint action. Unfortunately, in the modern world that we live in, um, the political level of consciousness of workers has decreased. The political level of consciousness of the leadership of working class organizations has, has decreased massively. So effectively, even the workers that say we should try to get support don't have an immediate plan of where do we get the support for, from. So Global Picket Line is trying to find people who think like this, who think we should try to coordinate our actions internationally and then, and, and then try to have a discussion that creates actions meaningfully where they are, they are going to be most useful to the workers in dispute. There are lots of different ways that you can organise international solidarity. You've talked about a few of them. One is finding people that have political agreement, for instance. Another way is finding... Um, similar workers in dispute around a factory that is currently in dispute. I mean, if you look at all of the different ways that you could organise international solidarity, it can be quite overwhelming. How How is the global picket line doing it and, and why in that particular direction? Okay, so to not be overwhelming, it, correct, it is overwhelming. Basically, you're starting from a blank sheet of paper and, and with, with an unknown list of partners. It's very difficult. But we, ha we are working with people who are uh, very experienced. So basically, there are two ways to look for um, support for workers in dispute. The first one is to do what is called a company map. So basically, if, if a company is a car company, we can look at all their production centers, and then we look at all their distribution centers. And from there, we immediately find out that there are places where the which are more important to the company, okay? So that is where we want to try to promote solidarity action. Secondly, we do something that is called the union map. And the union map looks at where those places that are important to the company are unionized, either unionized directly with a solid, genuine union in, in the plant, or 
there are other unions around who will be prepared to provide solidarity. We know that some cities are more union than others and so on. And some countries are more union than others. And, and the third thing is that we have a method of identifying people that we want to bring into the discussion. We have a clumsy name for those people, which are called the right people around the table, because we, we pretend we are all sitting around the table, although we are doing this mostly online through you know, conferencing. Um, and the right people around the table are people who are very well located to, um, to give um, industrial support. So, for example, if, if we are looking at supporting a car company, um, a, a teacher or a group of teachers in a particular city that doesn't have any manufacturing or any, um, or, or any car distribution um, is an important group of people that can send a solidarity message. But apart from that, they, they do not have a lot of strategic power to help the dispute. So, however... A city where there is a group of, of workers who've got like a, a strike committee into another car company are very, very well placed to begin a discussion with the workers that we are trying to help in the dispute because they probably have the same issues. They may be looking at the same kind of contract negotiations. They may be looking at the same kind of uh, assembly line processes, the same kind of health and safety problems. They are very, very more able to participate effectively in the campaign. So in that way, by looking at the company, looking at where the unions are located in terms of the dispute and then looking at people we can find who can come and support the dispute. This is a different model for uh, developing support. Having said all this, it sounds tremendously complicated. I know that. And people are confused the first time they hear about it. So we have a simple way to understand it. The simple way to understand it is when we have a local dispute, like looking like, again, looking at a car factory, for example, and the workers are all on strike, it is very, very important that the workers establish picket lines so that their work isn't replaced by scabs. This is standard in every country in the world and has been for 100 years. So picket lines try to stop uh, production. Now, if the factory has a main gate at the front, the workers would put a picket line at the front gate. Let's say the factory has a back gate as well, which is very common. The workers very quickly will see that the factory is now using the back gate. So they will get a group of workers to go to the back gate and pick at that gate. And if there is a side gate, they will pick at the side gate. Now, those workers at the different gates will stay in communication with each other to say, how is it going at the different picket lines? Now, global picket line is simply an understanding that the factories are not in one place. The companies now have a factory which is effectively distributed around the world. So in order to affect production, we need to close all the gates. So we need a global picket line. Well, Manrico, thank you. That was uh, the perfect note on which to end. Um, thank you so much for your time this morning and for explaining some of that work to the listeners. Thank you. Thank you so much for calling. That was Manrico Morrow, the campaign coordinator in Australia Asia Workerlinks for the Global Picket Line. Yes, so that is the work, the culmination of about 10 years of work that we've been doing with comrades across the region. Uh, we did launch the Global Picket Line International Committee on the 15th of uh, July. Um, it was a success, I would say. That's right. And, and also I would say that, um, that we've actually created a separate website so that will it's a it's a living website so it, it will be it'll keep expanding so we certainly um encourage people to go and look at it you can go find it in our on our from the AWL website um but do you know what the um 
No, no, no. We will link it. So we've yeah. we've linked it in our last couple of mini newses. So if you go to our website, you'll find the link to it there. That's how you'll stay abreast of what we're doing in that particular area and where you can find out more about it. All right, that really um, brings us to the end of another program of Asia-Pacific Currents brought to you every week by Australia-Asia Worklinks. I will announce the fact that there's a Palestinian rally, well, it's a, a rally in, in solidarity with the, uh, the Palestine issue and Palestinian people. Well, to... it's specifically the, um, the particular offensive against the Al-Aqsa Mosque. Even though there was seemingly a declaration of victory there, it's clear, clear that um, worshippers are being harassed and threatened as they go in. That's right, and that's and beaten. On, uh, yes, um, that's on Sunday, so it's tomorrow at half past one at the State Library. But that's really all that we've got uh, for, and actually, that's a great segue for the next show, which is Palestine Remembered. So that's all from me, Pierre Morrow. We'll be back next week, and me, Giselle Hannah. And um, I've got to give a uh, weather update uh, this week. But anyway, it's very windy, by the way. Very windy out there. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, moving on. on. Moving on, moving on. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.